Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. No jokes about how long that will be. We don't still don't know yet. No, uh, the dust has sort of settled, David. We don't have a whole bunch of... Weird stuff happening uh, after the, I guess it was two weeks ago now when USC and UCLA uh, became official and they're departing for the Pac-12 and and for the Big Ten, sorry, in uh, 2024. But if you have any questions or comments, um, I know a lot of you guys are listening now, which is great. We appreciate that. But you can send us an email at pac12podcast at gmail.com if you want to have us talk about anything, any questions, comments, concerns, whatever you got or topics you would like us to discuss, you can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pactful Podcast. The website, of course, is PactfulPodcast.com. We're over on the Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And follow us over on the Apple Podcasting app. Leave us a five-star rating. Trash us in the review, wherever you want to do, but leave us those five stars. It helps to grow. You guys have been great. Uh, tons of five-star reviews, so we appreciate all that. It really Really helps us out, and uh, the show's been very popular lately, David, so I'm, I'm happy uh, the masses are, are getting our Pac-12 football content. Yeah, for a limited time only, but they are getting it. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's a, a finite resource, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that um, has actual value because it, um, there, there won't be more of it at a certain point. It's it's the same theory as Bitcoin, actually. Okay. <laughs> we are we are we are a uh, we are a crypto podcast at this point. Can we mine more of the show? Like, I guess we could just do more mining and try to get more Pac-12 content out there. I, I think it's the same thing as Bitcoin. It's it's diminishing returns. You know, you're going to be um, the energy. It's actually it's a perfect analogy because we're going to have to put so much more energy into each one of these shows for much little much less return. Yeah. Once they go to the Big Ten, because we're going to have to still cover all the Pac-12 schools and then also do our due diligence with UCLA and USC. The Pac-10 schools. But, you know, I actually have a little bit of breaking news. You know, according to a source that I talked to in the Pac-12, um, you know, when they re- rebranded, when they added Utah and Colorado, they rebranded. They didn't keep it Pac-10. They made it Pac-12. Makes sense. We try to keep our numbers straight, unlike some of those other conferences out there that use numbers. 
But because of all the money that went into the new logos and branding and everything, the Pac-12 does not want to go back down to 10 or to 14. They want to stay at 12. So they're going to get two schools. That's just heard it here first. They're going to keep the Pac-12. So when USC and UCLA leave, they're going to find two more schools. It could be UC Davis, whatever it is. They're going to get two more schools just to keep it the 12th. Okay. That's that's not serious, but yeah. That's, That'd be great. <laughs> could you see the Pac-12 doing that? Like, It'd be great, yeah. yeah we no, just don't want to change the logo, so let's get two more schools. That'll be, that'll be easier. Well, this is the, the, the thing with the Pac-12 is, honestly, the low revenue gives you some wiggle room, right? Because all the other uh, conferences are in this like kind of um, uh, uh, tough position now because there's no schools you can add that are actually going to grow your pie. However, in the Pac-12, because the revenues are so low, you know, projected without UCLA and USC to have like $20 million a school in whatever, 2024, you could say to San Diego State, hey, you're taking $10 million for the first five years of this deal. And that would actually probably grow the revenue for each of the individual schools. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so they've got, I think they actually have some flexibility to do something to add it back to 12 if they want to. Yeah. Well, it just seems like we're standing pat right now. Um, you know, that there was that initial wave of craziness. And I feel like everyone's now in their, you know, their war rooms, like, you know, Klyavkov and the, you know, the Big 12 and the ACC and ESPN and Fox. Like, they're all doing their, they got their abacuses out, figuring out what the hell's going on. And uh, then, you know, they're kind of waiting for something to happen. Uh, and then I think a whole bunch, I think when one thing happens, maybe a whole bunch of stuff will happen. But everyone's kind of getting their, their plans ready, but I, I don't think anyone's really in a position to do anything outside of like Notre Dame, you know, like maybe some schools get uh, a little gun shy, a little nervous and they, they make a move, but I, I feel like the pac 10 is staying together. The 10 schools left, at least for right now. I don't know if you feel differently, but it seems, seems like that's where we are. I stopped paying attention when you said abacuses, cause that kind of <laughs> hung me up. I'm thinking, I'm thinking abacai. Abaca oh, sorry. Okay. I, I don't know if I've ever used the plural of abacus. So yeah, no, but I think barely use abacus. A, I, I love that you did it, but I got to say abacai, right? Cause it's a Greek word, right? I don't know. Can we like Google it real quick or Maybe, I don't know, whatever. Um, okay. Have, so there's two, it's abacai or abacuses. Yeah. Okay. So, so bite me. Um, Mr. Well, it's just because people like you have been saying abacus so long right. that's now correct. But you are the one that's an advocate for if that's the way people talk, that's the language. Boom. I agree. I agree. I just had never heard the plural before. And so, uh, I mean, every you know, time I've been you... down to the bar and talked about multiple abacuses, we've said abacuses. We've never said right. abacus. Right. I get it. I get it. Among your, uh, <laughs> you know, among your East Coast friends, but like among the many people on the West Coast, that I have talked to about um, Abakai, we always <laughs> use Abakai. So maybe it's a regionalism. Are we off the rails already? We're trying to keep this one tight. <laughs> like, this is just <laughs> what we do. Um, I, mean, I don't know. There's no good transition. We have some really bad uh, news in the Pac 12. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Webb, uh, the 22 year old Oregon tight end who had, a, I mean, just a horrible upbringing. And it was lucky enough that his older brother and his wife took him in after kind of bouncing around from relatives and friends. and put him on the straight and narrow and he got end up getting a whole bunch of scholarship offers out of high school. Oregon was his dream school. He ends up at the, you know, with the ducks and, uh, unfortunately, uh, passed away. I believe it was yesterday, uh, some kind of cliff diving accident. I think they're investigating still, but, um, I've, you know, I've done that before you jump in. I mean, it's, you know, you're falling 
multiple, you know, 10, 20, 30 feet, you're multiple stories down. It can be, I, I love doing it, but it can be tough. I don't know what happened. Hopefully. I mean, it seems like, it seems like it was just an accident, but just a terrible tragedy. And, uh, we've seen too many of these in, in the PAC 12, uh, over the years, you know, a couple in Utah with the gun violence stuff, which is just terrible. And this one, some sort of accident. We don't know all the details yet, but Spencer Webb, uh, passed away too young at the age of 22. Yeah. Very tragic. Um, you know, condolences to his family and teammates and, uh, all people who follow the Oregon program. Um, yeah, just, it's, it reads like it was a, a tragic accident. Um, yeah. And it was only about half an hour from campus, apparently. Wow. Uh, yeah, he's from the Sacramento area. Uh, Yogi Roth did a, I had a nice tweet, um, about him. Uh, John Canzano wrote a, a great column on his, you know, johnconzano.com. So, uh, you guys go check that out, but ugh, just, just terrible it's not one of the things you want to hear no see. no definitely not um let's see oh uh big 12 media day started no like kind of newsy stuff uh from that i guess but you know it, it's it's just one of those things where you're kind of like what like all they're going to talk about is expansion right and uh he said bob i mean well it was who's the new one i forget his name the jay-z guy um <laughs> I, for, I forget um, the new commissioner's name yorvik york yeah yorick Yorick, uh, he was saying that they were getting a whole bunch of calls. Um, so you're insinuating that a pack, pack 12 schools are calling probably more of like the Memphis's of the world, but, um, yeah, no, 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 no news that I saw that have come out of that, but the, just be aware that big 12 media days started this week. They're the first ones of the power five to get going. So York Mark, your Mark, your Mark. Okay. Your Mark. Uh, Sure. Yeah, okay. whatever. He hasn't really started yet. Even he starts August first. But yeah, Yorick is um, that's a line from Hamlet, I think. <laughs> right. We've got abacuses and Hamlet lines uh, so far on the podcast. Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him well. See, if we if if the Big Ten people start listening to this, are they going to appreciate any of this stuff? Like, oh, maybe the Big not. Ten. The Big Ten's going to love Shakespeare references. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a snootier, snootier group of, uh, of football fans. Nice. Um, our buddy Andy Staples tweeted this out. I think so, we might even have a question on this, but he sweat, said, if you subtract Big Ten teams, SEC teams, and Notre Dame from the equation, which schools from the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 do people watch? He charted the ones with the most 1 million-plus viewer games. And um, so he put a little chart out there. Now, if you had happened to have 990,000, you didn't make the list. There's a million or above. Um, we got Pac-12 schools. I mean, would you guess who like the number one team of, of those three conferences would be uh, the most million plus games? Um, Alabama? No, no, not including the SEC, not including the oh, Big Ten. Uh, Clemson? Clemson, yeah. Uh, so the ACC's got the number one spot. They had 34 games. Uh, uh, what about number two? Oh, um, hmm. Who else has been in the playoff? Basically, no one. Um, Oregon? Is it Oregon? No, it's uh, Florida State. They came in number two at thirty-one. Um, so the first two teams were ACC, but the next two were Pac-12, a little far behind. And it wasn't Oregon number three; it was Washington. Uh, with 28 games, Oregon had 26. Um, so, and then Miami had 22. Surprisingly, Washington State right behind at 21. Uh, 19 to Oklahoma State and Utah. 
18 Louisville and Stanford, and then North Carolina. So uh, Washington actually had the most games that were, you know, a million plus. Interesting. So I thought that was kind of an interesting. Well, so this is uh, one takeaway I would have here is style of play and scoring. Like if you're looking for this to be a national sport, the fact that Washington State and Oklahoma State are on this list, I, I think that's a that's a credit to style of play and offense. Yeah. Because um, you're talking about mostly, mostly the leech years at Washington State. They were in a lot of high scoring games. And then Oklahoma State, you know, obviously it's always primed to explode into a 50 point game. I wonder if, because everyone else on this list, like they've had, you know, pretty elite seasons. I guess Oklahoma State has had pretty close to elite seasons, but Washington State feels like the real outlier here. Yeah. No, I yeah, I agree with you. Like, like, oh, that's a kind of an interesting one. But they had some fun, you know, fun games. Um, there was also, if you checked out uh, ESPN, our buddy Kyle Bonagora and a, and a couple other writers did a pretty in-depth, like, behind the scenes, like what happened uh in this whole merger kind of thing so it's a long one but if you want to check it out it's i think it's definitely worth the read and our our buddy john wilner is continuing his like pac-12 survival guide so check out his stuff on the on the hotline there's just so much talk it's funny if you listen to i've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and people talking from different parts of the country and you know if you're if you're hearing like john Gonzano, there's like this deal in the works for maybe not deal in the works but you know working with the Pac-12 and the ACC and everyone's going to stay together. It's going to be a great. And and if you listen to someone like in Texas, it's like the Pac-12 is completely dead and the big 12 is going to, you know, pick through the bones. And it just seems like everyone has different opinions on what's going to go down and you know, this whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm at this point, I, I think anybody who, who, um, claims to have any ideas, just guessing, um, looking at it, I mean, it certainly sounds like the, the 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 move right now for everyone is to kind of wait and see, um, at least for the next month, um, while media deals get negotiated, particularly in the Pac-12 with the exclusive window. Um, but who knows? I mean, it wasn't like anybody was expecting USC and UCLA to suddenly jump ship. So, I mean, things can be happening very, very far behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, it's when When you start... Basically, when you start hearing like news seems more positive for the area that the person that, you know, covers, um, you know, I, I, I think sometimes you're getting like these optimistic views from, uh, you know, from p- local people and, and not necessarily that their sources are, I mean, that's probably what their sources are saying, but I think the people are, are some of it's hopeful, right? Like you're hopeful that, uh, the PAC 12 can continue to exist and work out a deal with the ACC and ESPN would want to be a part of this because of the, the extra money they would get. But I mean, when you talk about the ACC, anything that would disrupt their TV contract I, is probably a non-starter um, because you don't want to rip that up and let Clemson and North Carolina and Miami leave and go somewhere else. Um, if it doesn't, you know, include TV numbers, it's a non-starter. Like you, if, if Fox or ESPN aren't involved, um, unless you got some kind of side deal with streaming shorters, I don't know, but like, then it's not really workable. Like if, if your solution doesn't make Fox or ESPN happy, it's probably not going to be happening, you know? So there's, you sort of kind of have to look at all this with like, is this really the way this would go? Um, so I, I feel like some people are just kind of trying to figure things out, but I, I really feel like every conference is now kind of 
huddled up and, and, you know, drawing a plan in the sand just to figure out what's going on. Here's our plan. Here's our contingency plan. Um, and I, I don't know what else you could do right now. There's just not, there's no obvious great options. And until like Notre Dame makes some sort of decision, I think people are just going to be in limbo for a while, but you know, the status quo is the status quo. Like there's, you're going to have a football season. We did last year when after Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving, they played a bunch of big 12 games. Everyone played each other I and mean, it was fine. You know, um, it was exciting. They go to a bowl game, you know, all, all that stuff still happened. And we're going to still get that in the Pac-12. I just don't know if we're going to get any more like news, news, news about anyone else moving or, you know, jump a chip or pill- pillaging another conference. You know, it's probably not going to happen for a while. Well, if you if you if you postulate that um, this is all driven by um, money and the TV networks. It's hard to think of the incentives at this point for ESPN and Fox to want to expand their two big conferences even more. Um, like I could see a scenario where the Pac-12 wants to expand a little bit just to kind of shore things up a little bit and because their revenue is so low, but there's no way to grow the pie right now with like the SEC. Like I think even adding Clemson isn't going to grow the pie for like the other schools um, for the Big Ten. I'm not even convinced adding Notre Dame is going to grow the per year amount for every school in there. I mean, Notre Dame's TV, TV deal is not one hundred million dollars right now. Um, maybe there's a premium added if they actually join a big conference, but I don't know. Um, so I, I don't know how much incentive there's going to be. I mean, the LA market was the obvious one in retrospect because it adds a ton of money. I don't know what other school would do that at this point. Um, so like, I don't know from like a logic perspective, it makes sense for the SEC and the big 10 to stand pat at this point. Um, because I don't think there's any incentive for the TV networks to like, it, the ACC's deal is with ESPN. Why would they want to blow that up? They're right. getting they're getting those games for cheap right now. And if they're not on board with you expanding, it's going to be hard for you to do it unless it's the Big Ten and Fox who's coming calling. The only thing is if the SEC or the Big Ten is not quite as entwined with um, ESPN and Fox as they appear to be, because you could see a situation where they understand 10 years down the road if Fox and ESPN have a complete stranglehold on the market, then they get to start dictating prices um, and start to bring the prices down. Um, so to beat them to the punch, you could become a much bigger conference so that you have more leverage in negotiating with those networks. But that would be dependent on them being a lot less entwined than um, I think we think they are. Yeah, and I think they are entwined. I, th- I think Kanzano's point was like what's the motivation for espn um and it would be like the clemsons and the miamis and the north carolinas are are upset so making some kind of deal where they can make a little bit of extra money with the pac-12 would sort of appease them because they're stuck in this tv deal for another 14 years um but you know you signed them this great deal like you did a good job like you know espn's probably gonna get rewarded for that they're gonna own this for a while and you know, what's to stop them from trying to lowball the Pac-12? It seems like the ESPN Pac-12 thing is probably going to be what the partnership is. But it's so funny because you talk to different people and, you know, some people talk about expansion, San Diego State, Boise State, uh, you know, whoever, like UNLV, you could get Vegas. And, you know, some people throw out names and then other people are like, there's no way that would happen. Boise State has no, you know, and like there's there's things that would be great for like football and there's things that would be better for television uh they're like no you gotta add smu because you're adding like the dallas whatever fort worth market and then 
that's the thing I have kind of some issues with is that there has to be some kind of balance where it, it needs to be like, yeah, you need to bring in revenue, but there's also people that fit for football. Like the big 12 has been more about, you know, fitting like these, like good teams, a bunch of good teams, as opposed to the big brands. There's just not a lot of big brands out there unless you're rating one of the other conferences. Um, but I, I don't know when you talk about like, oh, you get the Bay Area with the with Cal and Stanford. There's that like you're reaching more homes, but there's also has to be the factor of what the engagement is for those fan bases, which are poor, right? They just don't. There's not a lot of people watching from the Bay Area, but you are in the Bay Area, you know. Like, would you rather have an Oregon that has uh, more passion fans, more people involved, with a, a smaller footprint of televisions around them? Um, so I, I feel like there has to be some kind of mix because some people seem to only be talking about, well, they're getting this market, like they're touching that market. So you have it. And like, I don't think that's the case, right? Like, I don't think you own that market just because you have a, someone in their brand, but, um, I don't know. It, it gets kind of confusing for me where there's just like, are you really talking about SMU? You just own the Dallas market now or whatever. Like, I don't think you do, but it opens it up to it. So there's gotta be like, it's, there's some appeal, but not necessarily like, Oh, okay. Now you're in the Dallas market. That's the end of end the discussion. That's what you wanted. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a complicated um, formula, but definitely engagement. Like the engaged eyeballs, people you know are going to follow the team no matter what, is a huge factor. In addition to the media market, but you have to have that engagement, and that's I think that's why. And this is kind of going back to our initial thing where you were um, you were kind of on the Oregon bus, and I was more on. Well, I think even Washington might be a better value. And it's not because Washington has been better the last, I don't know, 15 years, because Oregon's probably been, I mean, the most consistent program in the Pac-12 over the last 15 years. Um, but Washington has two things. One, they have Seattle, which is a bigger media market than Portland. But two, they have history, um, which produced fans that still watch. So, like, Oregon wasn't good ever, really, until, I don't know, to the 2000s, basically. Washington has the 80s. It has the national championship. It's got the early 90s. Like it's got a history that built a bunch of fans who are still engaged. Um, it's you know, and that's why I think I was kind of surprised UCLA's TV numbers were actually a lot stronger than I expected too, um, because of the same thing. They've got fans who have been around since the 80s who are still sticking around with this piece of crap. Um, Oregon doesn't really have that. I know, and I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate the Oregon fans who listen, because I know a bunch of you have been following forever, but a huge portion of the fan base is from just the last 15 years. Um, and I think just from a, maybe from a number standpoint, but from a longevity standpoint, from a projecting standpoint, that might not feel quite as secure as what you know you're getting with um, like a Washington or, or UCLA or whatnot. But to that point, Stanford and Cal really have, like, for any appreciable period, have never been good. And so they don't really have that built-in, you know, longevity fan base that um, some of the coolest schools that actually have a history of being good have. Yeah. Um, I have a little, like, personal news. I'm going to be a Pac-12 voter again. Did you Did you submit anything? Did you get no. a, do no, you want I to? Sub- I didn't you submit anything. So I asked them, like... No, they, uh, they come to me. They should come okay. to me. Well, I was on the list and then I, so I sent an email again. I'm like, Hey, is there something happened? Like, you don't like the podcast? Like, no. And apparently like some request happened that I requested not to get emailed anymore or something. And I'm like, I don't think I ever did that, but, uh, they, they set me up again. So I'll be voting again. Who'd you email? Was it, was it Jim? Yeah. Jim. Okay. I'm going to email Jim. 
yeah, Jim's a good dude. Um, so uh, there, he he took care of things. So uh, yeah, so we'll be able to do that. Well, we got a bunch of questions, and I know you have limited time. So why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, get into the questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Let's uh, let's go to voicemail first. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Uh, I left this voicemail about a week or so ago, but I guess wasn't able to be uh, downloaded on the emergency episode. But uh, as just a Ohio State fan and recent graduate, I uh, just wanted to welcome you guys to Big Ten country. I'm sure you guys are absolutely thrilled to trade in cities like Scottsdale and Palo Alto and Seattle. Um, for places like Lincoln, Nebraska, Bloomington, Indiana, or as some call it, the Paris of Ohio in, uh, in Columbus. But um, in all seriousness, I, I know this was brought up um, a week or so ago uh, about Bill Walton. But Dave, I'm just curious. I, w- I want to get your thoughts on exactly what do you think would happen to him? Do you think you'd just cover the UCLA and UCLA basketball games, the home games out in LA, and just stay out there, uh, or do you think you know he'd, he'd travel around the Big Ten or just maybe stop doing the, the games. Um, I'll try and get a, a big 10 fan rundown for you guys. Thanks guys. Love the show. Great question. So from what I understand of Walton, uh, the last couple of years, he's definitely slowed down on his travel schedule. I mean, dude is pushing 70 now. Um, so he's, I think he was almost entirely West coast this year, even his ESPN games, I think were entirely West coast. He was doing other games like three or four years ago, but that, I think it's almost all Pac-12 now. I would guess he's still going to do some ESPN, USC, and UCLA games. Um, but obviously, um, I would say he, he's going to be doing the Pac-12 network stuff if, he's still, if there is still a network next year. Um, but also, three years from now, he might just be done. I mean, he'll be, uh, you know, 2024 season, he's going to turn... During that season, he's going to turn 70, so he'll be 71 that year. Um, so I don't know if he'll still be sticking around doing this at that point. It might be actually a good point for him to just kind of sail off. But, um, yeah, I don't anticipate him traveling to Ohio State. Yeah, um, probably not. I don't think he's going to be doing anything like that. Uh, we Have we heard from him on anything? No, I don't think he's commented. Why don't you get a reaction? Yeah, we should get a reaction. Yeah, I mean, he's like on your. T- you, you, I'm sure you guys are close personal friends. Yeah, we're we're buds. We're buds. We hang. Yeah, 
right. right. Uh, what's up next? We the Jason when did Smith we... one. I think ways for remaining Pac-12 schools to raise money. Jason, I'm Jaron. I'm sorry. I got it. I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, hey, Ryan, Ryan and Dan, <laughs> your schools are traitors. I hope you die of gonorrhea and rotten hell. Okay, good start. The remaining PAC schools need to get creative with how they can increase revenue and close the gap with the Big Ten and the SEC. And I think I have a solution. Podcast sponsors. Hear me out. If every PAC fan used uh, a sponsored uh, a sponsored Amazon link, they got to be like some amount of money. Getting Stamps.com, Bombas, BetterHelp, and Squarespace on board surely earns the conference millions of dollars. Boom. Problem is, what the promo code, what promo code does the conference use? I want to hear your ideas. A few I had were conference of some champions, but not all. Uh, parody, alliance, fuck USC and or FUCLA. Uh, also, a piece to me will be rooting for UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. Not a big piece, but a piece nonetheless. And for future podcast ideas, don't keep focusing on pack teams. Once your teams move, just do a podcast on Civil War generals fighting teams <laughs> of Disney princesses. Jaron. From Vancouver, go dogs. And he said he had a follow-up. Or each school has its own promo code, which is used as a tiebreaker to determine conference champions. Uh, but they need to be a little off. Uh, here are some ideas. So he says ASU, firm for Herm, uh, Arizona, <laughs> basketball, Colorado, we have a fucking Buffalo, Utah, QBs are overrated. Not with Cam Rising, man. Uh, Cal, remember Tedford. Stanford, endowment or punt or die. I think endowment is probably the one. Oregon, uniform combos or zero natties. Oregon State, beaver juice. (laughs) Washington, academic prowess. And uh, WSU, go Cougs. Well, it's actually go Quags. Quags. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, C-U-O-G-S. Okay. Nice, Jaron. Love it. That was great. I think that's where we left off, right? Yeah, maybe. All right, here, this is from Kevin from San Francisco. Realignment thoughts. Ryan and Dave, I wanted to add in some thoughts on discourse. As a Cal diehard and a huge Pac-12 fan, realignment will not stop me from watching my team. I will not stop listening to podcasts. It will not affect my fandom. But it just makes me sad. Very sad. Because I love the conference. I love rooting for Jonathan Smith to make it over the hump. I love seeing the offbeat scheme Wazoo comes up with and seeing how it fares. I love watching Utah summit the mountain in the most steady as she goes away in the history of college football. I love making the yearly trips to my partners from SoCal. I love watching the rise and fall of each program through the moment and rooting for the objectively amiable fan bases that have shared this section of the world with me. Following this conference was my hobby, and maybe that makes me weird, but it was, and I'm just sad that this version is ending. Sorry to ramble. Love your show. Oh, that's great, Kevin. Um, No, I I think all of us are going to miss some of that. And I feel like if the Pac-10, if the 10 teams left stay together it'll at least keep some of that, right? Like if, if it ends up being splintered and I, you know, but I feel we could keep doing the show if those 10 teams stay together, they add some teams, whatever, whatever happens. But if it goes, you know, if you got some other teams leave for some other conference or something, yeah, then it's, it's pretty much dead, but it's not going to be exactly the same, but you know, there's still going to be, I mean, really the only rivalries, right? Like the, the California schools are splitting up. Um, yeah, that's a that's a weird one. We didn't we didn't cover that, by the way. Did, did you like Wilner had a report on the uh, UC Board of Regents or whatever, like some sort of like litigation, like uh, some crazy. There, I think they are um, discussing the Pac-12's potential litigation against UCLA. 
um, the regents can't themselves sue UCLA. That would be like um, you suing yourself. Gotcha. Um, I'm sure we. it's America. We can sue anybody. You can sue yourself. Yeah. Uh, get huge damages and have the government pay it or something. Uh, is he, do you feel like that? It doesn't seem like there's going to be much. Here. No, there's there's nothing much there. I mean, I think it's what every what always happens in this situation. Maybe there will be some sort of settlement. Maybe there won't. But um, I, the Pac-12 has to do it. Like, I think they have to try. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I don't think there's anything there. I think they, you know, they, they hit the deadline um, and they didn't negotiate in bad faith on a media deal. So what's there to What's there to complain about aside from the fact that they did it, you know, under cloak of darkness, but that sort of had to happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I forgot to mention that one up at the top. Uh, we have a Jake wrote in the last podcast, Ryan and David, oh, the boy. last, yeah, this is, I, I get the long ones today. The last podcast and following discussion left me scratching my head. David asked if we want more money or wins. The question itself shows a major disparity, uh, discrepancy. And how he and fans at schools like USC see college football. We want national championships. Uh, that requires quality wins and losses, the best coaches and recruiting staff, playing in a conference that gets teams into the playoffs. And when, when they are beating teams like Alabama and Georgia, David also made it sound like USC never asked for more money. They estimated The estimated drop in media value was unknown to everyone. And the other ADs were really blindsided. Uh, all of this has uh, been put out there for years. The figures have been discussed at nauseum. Um, USC, USC's AD even said on Ryan's podcast that if they can't come to an agreement on more revenue, quote, everything was on the table. June 30th, 2022 was even the contractual deadline to announce leaving the conference between media rights deals. To put it differently, the day the conference either agreed to give the LA schools more money or the, quote, everything is on the table threat could be executed. The AD's, Saying they were blindsided is more ludicrous than the LA mayor saying he was blindsided by an earthquake. Isn't that, wouldn't you be? I don't know. Okay. Uh, the same thing even just happened nearby in Texas and Oklahoma. The remaining ADs and presidents are either completely incompetent or it shows how little they respected USC's threat of leaving. Why risk going back and renegotiate with people who have been total dicks to you, especially when, per Ryan on his podcast, the other presidents has already told Klyavkov no. I don't think I've said that, but um, I questioned if other presidents would be willing to give USC or UCLA more money, uh, more of a, a bigger share. Why did Oregon say no? Oregon's mindset, like USC, is to win national championships. With two or three times the coaching and support budget than almost every other Pac-12 school, plus the additional recruiting base, the LA schools have a much better chance of having the best record in the conference. How does likely often coming in third in a conference that is arguably worse than a group of five conference Get them there. Even okay, what are, what are we talking about here? Uh, You're saying the Pac-12 is going to be worse than a group of five conference? Yeah, I, I, I what, didn't write. I'm just. What reading. are we doing, Jake? Jake's going. He's going off. The, the Pac-12 with UCLA and USC would have been um, in contention for the third best conference, as it has almost always been in the last ten years. Like that's just obvious. The ACC is yeah. only going to be getting at the end of their media deal. They're going to be getting sixty million dollars per school with UCLA and USC. The next media deal probably would have been that a few years before that. Um, they probably would have been ahead of the ACC and certainly would have been ahead of the Big 12. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 had a legit shot to be number three. Yeah, they would have been. Legit. I, I think no question about it would have been. 
from a money perspective, whether it was from a play on the field, well, that'll right. Insane. The ACC got locked in this long one that's terrible, and we've seen the you know, Pac-12 is finishing up their long one that was terrible. All right, and, uh, and as much as I love Ryan, what is said on his podcast is not the same thing as a direct threat made to the other presidents of the universities. That is a much different thing. If Mike Bone or uh, Carol Folt uh, had said to the other ones, hey, we are going to leave this rinky-dink-ass conference unless you guys give us more money. That was not said. If that was ever said, that was never reported. But that is the level at which you need to make a threat. And I think that would have been within their due diligence not to uh, uh, just from a simple like competitive balance perspective, they would have been better in the Pac-12. They would have had a better chance at, you know, having elite seasons and going on playoff runs. Also to the fans, I mean, as much as you might like the idea of USC getting a lot more money, um, you're going to get tired of traveling to Minnesota. Like, you're going to, and you probably won't do it that often. Um, and that's going to gonna put a damper on a lot of things. So yeah. um, just, you know, hold this thought, you know, seven years down the line when you are thinking about making your third road trip to Minnesota. Yeah, and... You know, Jake, appreciate the email and stuff. Um, I think his, I mean, the main point being like, if you do want to compete with Ohio State and Alabama, it's going to be harder to do it in a conference that even if it's third, if you're the distant third conference, um, it's going to be harder than if you were in one of the top two. And I think that's probably the main reason behind USC going. And, you know, for UCLA, maybe some of that, but also just, you know, with a athletic department that was in a lot of, uh, debt, you know, this is a way to to get out of it too. So I don't know. I mean, totally, I think I think UCLA's was a little bit more desperate of the situation, but um, I, I, yeah, not to belabor the same things we talked about last week, but there's a cost associated with going to the Big Ten that is going to be reflected in wins and losses. It would have to fly in the face of all recorded history of traveling west to east for road games. Uh, to not have a noticeable effect on wins and losses. Whether that impacts uh, uh, pursuit of national championships, I think there's absolutely no question that it will impact it negatively. Yes, good losses don't hurt you that bad. You know what's better than good losses? A whole shitload of wins. Just no. throwing it out there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is it me? I just did the one. You're a next, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So this is from John in Oakland. Uh, ESPN on Inside the USC-UCLA Move. Hi, Ryan and Dave. If you haven't read the ESPN story on the behind the scenes of the USC-UCLA Move to the Big Ten, it's rather insightful. It also clarified that under UC governance, each campus can make its own decisions of membership in athletic conferences in either UCOP or the UC regions. Also not in this article, but another one I recall reading stated that sources inside USC and or UCLA indicated that a few months ago, the schools raised the idea that to the Pac-12 main office that upcoming media deal preparations by the conference should look at the way revenue was shared. Not an overt threat that they might leave, just a slight hint that the LA schools weren't happy. The article said there was zero response or acknowledgement by the Pac-12 office. Might be interesting if you can check with your sources inside USC and UCLA to see if this was true. Regards, John and Oakland. From yeah, what John. I've heard, from what I've heard, nothing, nothing ever direct was said, ever. Um, now, whether there were intimations or you know, hey, we'd like a little bit more money, I don't know. But if USC and UCLA had absolutely any interest in saying the Pac-12, 
this would have been the big swing and dick moment um, where you just say, hey, we're going to do this and you guys are screwed if we do it. So pony up, hold them hostage. This was the opportunity to do this. Um, and they didn't. Right. And I think some of this is if I mean, these are smart people running these universities in the athletic departments. And it'll be curious to see if we find anything out. At Pac-12 Media Day, what was said? Were there threats made? Um, I've always said that you should. USC doesn't need to go independent. They don't need to leave the conference, but you need to threaten to do it. And then yeah. you're gonna. You, that's all. I've I've said that from the beginning. If it's one of those things where if you know like it's not going to work, like if if for whatever reason they felt like it wasn't going to work, we're not going to say anything, and we we lose something by doing that because we're tipping our hand. So if you felt like it just wasn't going to work, we're just going to do it. You know, if yeah. it's just like, this is not the way we're going. So I'd be curious to see, it might be something like that. Um, it might not be completely nefarious reasons. If they didn't bring it up ever, it was more because, you know, we had heard from, you know, the, the Pacific Northwest schools would never go for that or whatever it was, where the, the PAC 12 just wasn't going to allow or the other presidents, however it was, if you knew something like this, is just an, it's not going to work. The only way we can do this is to leave. Then, then that's what you did. I think um, we'll if, see. if UCLA and USC had had any interest in staying, they would have been able to stay with some serious leverage positions. When uh, when USC really wanted the Arizona schools in the conference, I was reading this story just last week. When they really wanted uh, the Arizona schools in the conference, Stanford and Washington were really opposed, really, really opposed, like firm, entrenched positions. USC told them, OK, great, 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 great. Uh, we're going to leave the conference and UCLA is coming with us. So best of luck to you all. And they changed their position in 15 minutes. I don't care how entrenched Oregon and Washington would have been in not giving up on that deal. The reality is they're going to make a lot less money in a Pac-10 without UCLA and USC than they would have been in any type of renegotiation of the deal by UCLA and USC. I think the reality is that UCLA and USC just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um. So Aaron sent us that same, um, like Andy Staples graphic. Uh, yeah, a, we don't need to read this whole thing, do we? Yeah, it's, 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 but the point is, it was Washington State an undervalued stock, you know. So Washington State came in behind Clemson, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Miami. Washington State was right there, um, you know, ahead of Utah, ahead of Stanford, ahead of all the other schools. So he said that would make Washington State the third most desirable program. Um, so basically, like if you're Washington State, you're trying to figure out a way. Hey, how are we going to get included in something like this? So, this is so Aaron the Palouse wants to know: like, is this going to help? Is this, you know, or is Washington State destined to be in obscurity unless the Pac-10 stays together? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, I think so. This is where it's like, um, this is where the shame of the money being the main thing is is. Uh, uh, causing so much consternation because the media market is still mattering, even though obviously there's some engagement level with Washington state fans that um, goes against the idea of a media market. Um, but I don't think it's, I still don't think it's perceived as a significantly valuable brand. Um, and so in today's world, what that means is they're probably not going to get invited to dance with the big 10 or the, uh, or the uh, sec. And so it's going to be one version of, uh, you know, and also ran conference. Um, now, maybe that'll be fine um, because I do still have the the ongoing theory that there are significant diminishing returns once you get into the high levels of money 
Like the difference between $70 million per year and $100 million is not, I, I think people are really, really overblowing what that is. But the difference between 20 and uh, and 70 is going to be a lot. Um, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully they can still find a way to compete um, because it would be really cool if suddenly the Pac-10 is producing like a playoff contender every four years. Um uh, now that they've, uh, you know, now that they've dropped the dead weight of UCLA and USC, you know, and those, those, <laughs> the, the twin albatrosses. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Dead weight. Uh, uh, Tom. uh Thomas, man. Okay. I'm going to do this one. Appearances okay. can be deceiving. Hey guys, I was busy shopping for Mack Weldon thermal underwear this weekend in preparation for sub-zero temperatures at UCLA's 2024 season opener in flyover country as I was listening to the most recent episode of the podcast. You can imagine my surprise when both of you indicated that UCLA and USC might not have left the Pac-12 if they had been promised a bigger slice of the Conference of Champions TV revenue in the future. This is because only a few short natties ago, the Pac-10 originally had not been distributing TV money equally. Prior to expansion, the league actually allocated broadcast revenue based on how many times the school appeared on TV. This arrangement arose from the fact that until the conference launched its eponymous network, not all of its football games were televised, and for those matchups that did get the benefit of being serenaded by Keith Jackson's spellbinding voice on ABC, many were shown only as, quote, regional action in the western half of the country. The decision during the Larry Scott era to move toward equal revenue sharing was seen as a progressive and enlightened way to run a channel showcasing 850 sporting events per year. The drawback of making the switch, however, was that it penalized USC and to a lesser extent UCLA so disproportionately you think they had been targeted they had been called for targeting by Woody Dixon at the sideline tent. Not just because the Trojans got a smaller slice of the pie than under the old methodology, but because the overwhelming number of night games cut into attendance and ticket sales at the Coliseum and Rose Bowl too. It's this double whammy of wealth redistribution that of course is a complete anathema to every lack of moral fiber in USC's student body. Keeping this little bit of history in mind, I think that it's very likely the opportunity for TV money isn't the reason UCLA and USC bolted for the Big Ten. Instead, I think it's as simple as USC's president, UCLA's chancellor, and both athletic directors being outsiders. Carpetbaggers who lack the same degree of loyalty to their respective institutions as the predecessors and such luminaries as David Shaw, Bill Walton, Phil Knight, or Tom from Jockey. Moreover, I think you can make a strong case that USC reached a tipping point once the Pac-12 hastily reversed its decision to cancel the 2020 football season after finding itself knee-deep in controversy over the Players United ultimatum. Bitten once before by payouts of the uh, Pac-12 network, USC and UCLA became predictably twice shy. It would not surprise me at all if the Morgan Center and Heritage Hall feared the very real possibility of the conference requiring them to share new revenue streams such as NIO, not just with other schools, but also potentially the players themselves. Despite all the conspiracy theories, Fox probably didn't need to convince the LA schools to join the Big, Big Ten in as much as being the guy at the auto dealership Getting creative with financing to help close the next sale. Next sale. I could go on and on, but I'm getting dangerously close to being over 600 words from Thomas. Hey, Thomas. And it's like a Google Doc, too. Um, yeah, so I didn't remember this exactly. I think. So I found an old John Wilner article from like 2010, um, and they were, he was talking about revenue distributions. Um, and basically, there were three primary sources, like the bowl revenue, which was split up evenly between the 10 schools at the time, NCAA tournament proceeds uh, again with the 10 schools and then football TV revenue, which wasn't split evenly. Um, so back in like 2008, 2007, 2008, USC got 11.4 million. Um, and they had the most UCLA had 9.2 Oregon had like 9.1 all the way down to Stanford was 6.8. So they're, you know, fairly, you know, significant percentage, you know, distribution, 
uh, between the two. But the order it was in that year was USC, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona State, Cal, Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, and then Stanford. Uh, the following year, uh, very similar. You know, USC was at the top. Washington State was at the bottom for that one. Um, but if you did the total, it was USC, Oregon, UCLA, one, two, three, with Cal close behind, Oregon State kind of close behind that, Arizona State, then Washington, you know, the bottom half, which is crazy. And Stanford was uh, at the bottom. That was so when they, Washington was big ass. They were big ass. But uh, yeah, they were. it was definitely distributed depending on how much you brought in. So they did it that way before, but then you have like 12 years of equal distribution. Are you going to want to change? I don't know. Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, one thing I would also keep in mind if you're UCLA and USC going forward is they had leverage in the Pac-12 that they're not going to have in the Big Ten um, because the Big Ten was going to have a billion-dollar rights deal with or without UCLA and USC. Now, UCLA and USC absolutely grew the pot, but it's not as significant a percentage of the overall revenue as it is in the Pac-12. If they were ever going to use a bunch of leverage, the time was just now not going forward they're not going to have that position again with a new conference yeah uh john in oakland sent us a youtube video where some college football insider back in april predicted that usc was going to go to the big 10 he said sources that you know said they were on the move there um it's been consistent with the reports um so he said, and then he goes on to say, I think the next moves we're going to see is Stanford and Cal to the Big Ten. That's interesting. I haven't heard that one. Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, the Big 12, Washington State, Oregon State to the Mountain West. Um, so that he's thinking the Pac-12 is going to break up and split apart. Um, he says this lasts uh, for at least a year. Uh, the next new 10-year college football playoff deal through 2035 with the Power Four. He says SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12, and group of five. Then in 3036, we see a merger of the Big Ten with the Big 12, the SEC with the ACC, into two super conferences with four divisions, north, south, east, and west. The group of five would split off and create its own playoff. Thoughts? John in Oakland. He's like planning out for the next, you know, 15 years. Uh, Sounds great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I think – the Pac-10 the Pac-10 just going away at this point feels less likely than it did 2 weeks ago. For sure. Um, 100%. But uh still possible. I think now that the dust has settled a little bit, I still see the Big 12 as pretty vulnerable. Um and I think if the Pac-10 wanted to get aggressive, um there's probably some stuff they could do there. Um but overall, I mean I mean this is as plausible as anything. I think the reality is um it's there's there's too much regionality if you're not making a hundred million dollars per school to make it feasible for like the Pac-10 to just join with the ACC and be a full merger. Um, so I think there could be like some playing between the two teams between between the two conferences, but I don't think you could do like a full merger because the Pac-10 isn't going to give up all of its Olympic sports. Um, and you can't fund all of that travel on forty million dollars a year or whatever it would be. Um. So looking at the other ones, I mean, I think thinking of it as like a power four um, is a nice idea. I mean, the reality is it's going to be a big two. Um, and then between probably between two and three other like semi-major conferences and then the group of five below that. Um, I think the, 
the Pac-10 as it is is still going to make quite a bit more money per school than the Mountain West. Um, the Big 12 is is probably going to be the as of right now, is probably going to make the most money of the remaining three. Um, but again, they're so far flung um, that I could still see them being pretty vulnerable um, to uh, other te- other conferences picking them off. And the Pac-10, I think, could still get aggressive with the Big 12 if they wanted to. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see because you have to look at what... Who eats who? Um, I'm sorry? Who eats who? Yeah, Hui too. Um, the Pac-12, the Pac-10, whatever, and the Big 12 both have contracts coming up, so they're kind of in flux. They haven't locked anything in. The ACC is locked into a bad one. Now they're stable to the point where they can't really do much. Um, you know, Clemson can't leave because they're locked in for 14 more years. But uh, I, I think Big 12 has more stability, and, and you know, some people think it's like kind of a false sense of stability. They did right the ship. Uh, they, you know, circled the wagons got the the four best group of five schools you could get, you know, one independent in BYU and uh, have moved on, but they haven't signed a long-term deal yet. Um, could the Pac-12 come in and poach some of the schools? Then that stability gets flushed down the toilet. So um, speaking of, uh, wait, do I have that? Yeah. I was like, you got to have that faster. Uh, they're just fingertips. Um, but yes. So could that happen? Will George Klyavkov go after uh, I've been watching like Shark Fest on uh, Nat Geographic. It's like a knockoff of Shark Week from Discovery. But, you know, you see the sharks that are, you know, they eat other sharks and stuff. And you're just like, you know, which you got two sharks here. We're not sure which one's going to eat the other. Um, or they could work together and like hunt as a pack. I don't know. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, can't would, the, would any Big 12 schools want to leave? Would any of the new ones that just signed? which I don't think there's like these binding agreements, right? Until you get, um, you know, until they sign the long-term TV deal, I don't think there's like, they're in locked in some kind of thing. So Klyovkov could go after them. And obviously tactical schools could end up going to the big 12. So yeah, who eats who is going to be the big question. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Uh, what do we got next? Two more years. Is this me? Yeah. All right, uh, from Ross. Hey, guys, with all the doom and gloom conference talk, I'd just like to say I've appreciated the POC for a long time, and even though you'll be leaving us, I still plan to continue listening to whatever show you come up with next. We still have two more years, so let's keep this party going a little longer. So my question is, who's got the more the most pressure to perform well this year, Landanning or Lincoln Riley? Thanks, Ross. Absolutely no question. First, thank you, Ross. Absolutely no question about it, Lincoln Riley. Zero question. Zero question about it. He is the head coach of USC football. All the USC fans, judging by my interactions with them on my message board and Ryan's message board this week, uh, are are gung ho for USC's return to the elite. Anything less, I think, than nine and three is going to be a massive, massive disappointment. And frankly, nine and three, I don't know if it's going to get the job done for like actually getting people pumped up. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely more pressure on him. I mean, he's been a head coach already. He's He's gone to the playoff. He's won Heisman trophies. This is, you know, when you hire a coordinator, you're sort of like, okay, he's got to learn how to be the head coach first. So, I mean, even just that. Um, but with the added pressure of, hey, you're going to be going to the Big Ten, you know, the Big Ten, like you lose like Oregon State, like, oh, you think it's going to be tough going to Oregon State? Where do you go to the big house? You know, like any of that kind of stuff. I think there's going to be extra pressure there. Now, there's there's high expectations that people are going to pick Oregon to win the North, which I don't know if that's really fair to do, but. Um, it's just not going to compare to um, 
what Lincoln Riley's going to be facing. So, absolutely. Blake, Mont Lake Blake, team by team media values. He says, gents, regarding the value of various programs, a lot of back of the envelope math is being thrown around to say that Team X is worth Y dollars, and for them to be a value add in a conference, uh, to to be a value add to a conference, they would need to add enough to offset the piece of the pie they'd be taking. Uh, but is that a gross oversimplification? For instance, is Oregon State's media value, not to throw the beeves under the bus, as a singular entity worth more by association with the Pac-12 because of fans of Washington, USC, UCLA, and other areas with more eyeballs are more likely to be at least slightly interested in their games than they would uh, if they weren't associated with those aforementioned schools. Similarly, would Wisconsin, for example, not see a bump in value as folks in Seattle and Portland find themselves slightly more invested in tuning in Rooting for the victory or the demise of their conference brethren. I would imagine Big Ten ratings as a whole would go up on the West Coast where there are more significant, quote, West Coast pod and consumers would be likely to prioritize the Big Ten's content rather than the SEC's. And I don't see how that gets accounted for in the, quote, fuzzy math being thrown around in speculative articles. I assume this is baked into more sophisticated analyses. Uh, just wondering how clear of a picture any of us are getting. Thanks and go dogs. Mont Lake Blake. And he says, P.S. I'm not a fan of the Big Ten move, but definitely prefer that to other options currently on the table. Yeah, good good stuff, uh, Blake. He's, he's um, a sophisticated emailer. Yes, I would say um, I haven't seen a really good media analysis at this point that actually does like the necessary. And I don't know if it's even possible to do the necessary like zeroing out of like. Uh, like irrespective of other um, uh, schools influence, um, what is a, a school's uh, like actual media number? Like how much, how much can you expect uh, Oregon state fans to watch an Oregon state game? Um, and I think you can see like the totals, like Andy Staples did of like how many million viewer games did teams have, but that is not like Clemson's at the top of the list. Cause they've been in the playoff a lot. Um, and a lot of casuals watch the playoff. They're not watching it necessarily for Clemson. They're watching it for the playoff. Um, and that's to an extent. Obviously, a lot of people watch Clemson, too. Um, and your point that there are, like, quote, Pac-12 fans who are going to watch Pac-12 games, and you're, you're, two of us are talking right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a factor, too. Like, I've got, like, one of my brothers, he'll watch Pac-12 games, and he doesn't watch much else um, because he's of the same sicko genes as me. Um, but there's a lot of people who, you know, I'm interested in Oregon State or Washington State or what Washington's up to or what Arizona's up to because of the proximity, because of my familiarity. And will that carry forward? Will USC and UCLA fans, for example, continue to watch Oregon State games when there's absolutely no connection to their universities anymore. Yeah. No, good points. All right. Um, he has a suggestion of some audio drops that we can play around with later. Oh, yeah. You got to motor through these. Um, all right. This is from uh, John in Oakland again. Assessment of Pac-12 versus Big Ten school. Hi again. I don't know if you've seen this lengthy and detailed assessment on how the schools in the Pac-12 and Big Ten compare. It's from Trojan Wire on the voice of college football and is by a former USC athletic department official. He makes a strong case that the presidents of the Big Ten schools would want Stanford first, then Washington, and then Cal. It's also implied from his tables that 13 of them would probably jettison Nebraska if they could in exchange for those three. Yeah, this is probably, I mean, I haven't 
seen it, but I would guess this is largely due to academics. Nebraska fell out of the AAU. Um, they're kind of the weird outlier now in the Big Ten. So I think, you know, the Big Ten would be cool with getting rid of them, I would guess. Yeah, and then I would say, John, there's just people's opinions on what's going on. I don't think anybody really knows that's that's like the the order or anything like that. But yeah, we're all just kind of guessing and speculating and postulating. Yeah, uh, we got one last one: uh, Clay and Phoenix regional versus national debate. Hello, Devin and Ricky. Uh, near the end of that's your, a new uh, one. Yeah, we haven't heard that one. Uh, he's got he's a a bearded fellow. You can see in his uh yeah his it. avatar though yeah um or whatever it is. it's profile photo near the end of your emergency episode you both agreed that usc ucla that the usc ucla move would make college football less regional and more of a national sport again after having more time to think on this i was wondering if you still think that will be the case to me this will likely have the opposite effect there will be less east coast interest in the rest of the pack and the rest of the pack is not going to start watching the big 10 also unless usc and ucla are competitive in the big 10 i don't think the la market will be interested and non-USC UCLA games. To me, the whole key is winning, and they both have a much better chance to do that in the pack, Clay and Phoenix. Yeah, so um, I can't remember which one of us said it, um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've walked back a lot of my thoughts from that initial day because um, I do think there's going to be... Uh, there was a really good article in The Ringer. I don't know if anybody's out there read it, but it was about um, how these moves uh, kind of strike you as people deciding things for college football who don't love college football um, and who want it to be something other than what it is. They want it to be this national sport that has national value. And the reality is it doesn't, and it never has. And the regionality of it is actually what makes it cool, Um, you know, because just what we were talking about. I give a shit about Oregon State football, Um, you know, and a lot of fans of UCLA are like, yeah, I want to see ASU play Wisconsin instead of Alabama play Georgia because I know ASU. Um, and there is a significant portion of that. I'm not saying it's everybody, but there's a significant portion of that. Um, and what what the networks appear to be banking on is the idea that if you get these top brands and these super leagues, that you'll eventually um, build a fan base of people who have no connection to the schools and just have a connection to the team. But I think it's a it's a really stupid bet uh, because it's based on this idea. It's based on a similar idea to like the pro leagues. But the problem with the pro leagues is it's good. You know, the NFL is good football. Um, even at the higher, higher levels of college football, it's often kind of bad and ugly. Um, what keeps it um, fun is first the variety. Um, you know, they're trying a lot of different wild crap that isn't necessarily being tried in the pros every single week. Um, and your connection to it, uh, you know, you have a, you have a connection to, and I have a connection obviously to UCLA, but a tangential connection to every team that UCLA has played and especially the ones they played consistently. Um, that's going to go away because they're not going to play Cal and Stanford anymore. They're not going to play Oregon and Washington anymore. They're not going to play Arizona and Arizona state with any regularity anymore. Um, and so a lot of that, uh, that aspect of it goes away. And so I wonder if, um, you know, a lot of that, uh, it's, it's partly sentimental. It's partly just emotional. It's partly just historical. It's partly just nostalgic, but a lot of that connection to the sport, um, both sports, all sports, uh, frankly, um, dies a little bit with this. Um, so I don't know if it's a regional versus national debate. I think it's, um, 
people who you know care about what college football is and was and people who just uh, don't really understand it. Um, Cause I think that's the driving force behind um, essentially what ESPN and Fox and the TV networks have orchestrated over the last decade. Yeah. I think the, my thoughts on that when you're talking about making it national is just, you know, if it was say like Oregon and Washington go to the big 10 and USC and UCLA are in there. Um, yeah. We're going to marginalize some of, these, some of these other programs, you know, powerful programs, big programs have done, you know, as you talk, it matter as much. And, but just having Oregon playing Michigan and, and, you know, USC playing Ohio state or whatever, they kind of, you kind of bring them into the fold. Like if everyone's only talking about the sec and the big 10, now you're included in that discussion and it becomes a big 10 people now care about the West coast more and the sec people probably care about them because then you're going to be facing them in the playoffs. So I think you're looking at, look at it from the point of view of like, where's the, most of the eyeballs on college football, like, and it seems to be in these regions, it become very regionalized for me. This is sort of a way to kind of expand it out. So you care about the Pacific time zone more. Um, but you're, I mean, there's good points there too, where, well, what if you lose, you know, what if the Washington state fans don't even care about anything else anymore? Do they want to watch USC and Ohio state or UCLA and Michigan state? Like, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't so if if a Big Ten fan is interested in um, their league, right? Uh, they're going to want to watch teams, right? So I guess there's maybe a little bit more USC, UCLA, but wouldn't wouldn't this all be solved? And I don't mean to be like kind of reductive, but wouldn't that whole problem be solved by USC being good? Because USC was a national brand when it was good. The problem isn't that USC was in the wrong league. The problem was that USC spent 15 years tripping on its dick and UCLA for that matter has spent 25 years tripping on its dick. Um, wouldn't all of that be solved? Because all you're talking about is USC and UCLA. You're not talking about the West coast. I mean, nobody's going to give a shit about the PAC 10 outside of the PAC 10. Um, but maybe some big 10 fans want to watch USC and UCLA a little bit more, but if USC and UCLA continue to play like they've been playing for the last 20 years, it's going to be like watching them. Like, I don't know, uh, you know, an Ohio state fan watches Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a curiosity, but do I give a shit? Um, so that's, uh, I, I think a lot of this would just get, it would have been solved very easily. If, um, if USC didn't suck. Well, if USC didn't suck, but if UCLA also hadn't spent again, 25 years sucking, um, those two schools being ass is a big part of the problem right here. And it continues to be a big part of the problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So. Uh, all right. Well, I can, I think that's our show. That's uh, our show. Yeah. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. I laughed. I cried. Uh, I didn't hear you cry. Well, I do it silently. Oh, I'm not a big, silently. I'm not a big, like, um, you know, outward crier. Silent crying silent is a little more sad, I think. Oh, it's way sadder. It's way sadder. Because I think yeah. there's always a, an anger element to loud crying. Like, it's it's coming from an angry place. But when you're just dropping tears, um, fully silent, I think that's the uh, that's abject sadness. Dude, the old uh, the Tears of a Clown song. Yeah, exactly. Like old Motown song. It's a good song. I still listen to that all the time. Uh, okay. Well, let's wrap things up then. Um, we'll let you get on with your day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, no big realignment news, so that's nice. And we'll see uh, how the Pac-10 
keeps rolling along, there'll be some bombshell dropped at some point. I don't know, it'll be tomorrow or a year from now. We'll see, but something's going to happen. Uh, that is David Woods, and I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the Podcast of Champions. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Adios. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!